0: This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.
1: I'm Johnny Hart. You're listening to the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast. Let's join Kelvin Wong, Oanda Senior Market Analyst in Singapore. Good morning from London and good afternoon to you, sir. Good morning to you, Johnny. Let's talk China, first of all. And uh, certainly there's been a weakness in the Chinese stock market, disappointment for speculators because uh, China's policymakers have not cut rates as highly as they thought they would.
0: Uh, yes, precisely. Because if you look at last week, they have another decision on this, uh, one of the benchmark interest rate, which is the one-year medium-term lending facility. So that's actually the credit line where China commercial banks could actually borrow from the PBOC, China central bank. So they actually cut the rate by 15 basis points. So in the past, the same quantum of rate cut on the one-year medium-term lending facility should actually translate to almost the same quantum of cut, the basis point on the loan prime rate. But however, in today's Asia session, the authority decided to actually have a smaller scale of cut instead. So for the one-year loan prime rate, uh, which actually pretty much uh, tie to commercial uh, rates on which, which commercial banks price to consumers and businesses. So the one-year r- loan prime rate is being cut by only 10 basis point to 3.45%. And very interestingly, the longer-term five-year loan prime rate is actually left unchanged at 4.2%. So that actually gives a bit of disappointment on the, uh, the, the stock, the, the speculators, the short-term speculators on this China stock market. Uh, continuing their, we call it, their four week of, close to four weeks of slide where the CSI 300 now is actually down close to a nine-month low. So, totally wrap out that uh, poly, uh, the previous uh, third week of July Politburo meeting, if you recall. So, during that meeting, the top policymakers actually came out with pretty much strong uh, vibes to actually address the current weakness in the China's e- economy. But all those uh, exposed Politburo gains, uh, stock market gains that's been seen on the China stock market as well as the Hansen indexes, all this gain has been wrapped up at this point in time.
1: And how has this affected China's currency market? So
0: I think one of the reasons uh, why the Chinese uh, top policymakers are pretty much hesitant to actually reduce interest rate as aggressively as in the past, one of the reasons is that they also do not want the uh, yield premium on the US treasury over the China sovereign to widen much uh, further at this juncture. So a further widening of that premium could actually put further downside pressure on the Chinese Yuan, which also could be pretty much detrimental to the Chinese economy and the Chinese stock market. However, it seems to me that right now, uh, market participants totally ignore the fact of the action that's been driven by the Chinese stock policymaker today, uh, of a lesser than uh, a cut on the loan prime rate, but focus more on the negative repercussion on the Chinese stock market. So that actually drives the Chinese Yuan to see a a 0.2% decline against the dollar. So, in fact, if you look at the Chinese Yuan, it's in fact one of the worst performing currency today uh, among the G20 currency, where you see pretty much mixed back where the euro is actually up a bit by 0.12% against the dollar. So uh, this dollar, CNH, right now, the australian is now probing again close to a key resistance level at 7.3450. That was actually pretty much close to that uh, last October swing high area. So, uh, in this couple of weeks, uh, market participants will be pretty much watching closely this 7.3415 level. Uh, a clear break above this level could actually potentially uh, trigger further negative feedback loop into the Chinese stock market. That means that could translate further potential weakness on other China related proxies like the Hong Kong benchmark stock indices as well.
1: Okay, let's move away from China, and uh, I suppose the big event of the week is Friday's Jackson Hole event. It'll be interesting, won't it, to see uh, what comes out of that, uh, particularly, uh, we've already talked interest rates from uh, China, but interest rates uh, more from the U.S. point of view, and whether they're going to stay higher for longer.
0: Yes, precisely. So, uh, so market participants will be watching closely this Friday, coming Friday, the start of the Jackson Hole Symposium, so where Fed Chair Powell will deliver his keynote address. So, what's interesting over here is that in the last two weeks, uh, yes, we definitely see a rise in that U.S. longer-term treasury yield. So, especially the ten-year yield, uh, attempting to actually uh, retest uh, last October's uh, 2022 high. So, but what's interesting over here is that that is the nominal uh, US Treasury yield. So if you break down down according to the real yield and the break even rate, so the break even rate can be put away that translated by if future inflationary expectation. So if you look at the future inflationary expectation component of that US 10 year break even rate, they actually rose, but they rose at a slow pace compared to the US 10 year real yield, uh, which is required in TIPS in short uh, in, in market etymology. So with this particular um, uh, latest development in this uh, U.S. fixed income market via the the higher uh, higher speed of race in the U.S. treasury uh, real yield, potentially it seems to me there could be some kind of structural things uh, or a structural element that is forming in this uh, U.S. long-term interest rate. So could that be the fact that right now we are starting to see a longer-term equilibrium of higher interest rates versus a very low level for almost a decade ago. So that's actually kind of exposed a great financial crisis. So I think market participants right now will be uh, attempting to listen or to decipher any hints uh, in uh, Powell's keynote address during the first day of Jackson Hole, which is on this coming Friday, to actually uh, to see whether does he tease out that uh, perhaps right now the global economy or the fact that US economy uh, got to actually now uh, accustomed to uh, longer-term equilibrium interest rate. so that could be driven by the fact of uh, longer-term structural effects like post-COVID uh, environment and as well as uh, elevated sticky inflation due to uh, uh, supply-related uh, uh, measures like the joyo political, joy political tension where U.S. and China is uh, facing off right now in the high-tech irana and as well as this uh, ongoing Russia and Ukraine conflict that actually impacting uh, other, uh, uh, we call it a uh, commodity sector, especially we're talking about the, the food-related uh, inflation that, that could be elevated due to this supply-side concern. So, uh, if this, what this kind of scenario would tend to tease out during this Jackson Hole event, Uh, Potentially, yes, we could start to see further risk-off like what we did in the last two weeks on uh, longer-term fixed-income market like sovereign bonds, like the U.S. Treasury bond could face further sell-off. And what's interesting over here is uh, there could actually be further weakness on longer-duration risky growth assets like, for example, those uh, mega-cap technology stocks, which has been the uh, forefront of this, uh, or I would say, bucking the the trend of this uh, ongoing uh, medium-term uptrend that that took shape uh, exposed much where the U.S. banking turmoil crisis took shape. So uh, pretty much interesting to see how this plays off uh, given the fact that uh, these longer-term duration assets are pretty much uh, dependent on uh, or being priced by Mm -hmm. longer-term real rates. So if longer-term real rates starts to be going to inch up much higher, so that could definitely put a further potential downside pressure on these uh, long-duration assets, be it risky or and risky.
1: There are some quite famous speculators out there, Kelvin, who are, are wondering what's going to happen to the Nasdaq. Uh, obviously, uh, tech is massively important within that index, uh, with interest rates looking like they're going to be high for a much longer time than we first thought.
0: Yes, precisely, because if you look at the those guys, if, we, if, we, if they take a look into account of the momentum factor, so definitely I could actually understand, uh, support their point of view. Because if you look at the current uh, momentum that is uh, looking in the NASDAQ 100 right now, is pretty much uh, lackluster, or I would say bearish. So, currently, if you look at the intra month uh, performance for the month of August based on last Friday closing price, so the current uh, intra month performance for the month of August, right, the NASDAQ 100 is actually down negative 6.7%. So, that's actually the worst, if, if this, uh, 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 we call it uh, monthly performance, takes hold, it will be the worst monthly performance since the start of this medium term uptrend of the low that we see in October last year. So, that actually explain This, uh, we call it uh, fund managers or what we call it hedge fund speculators that look into account of momentum driven strategies to actually uh, support this uh, further weakness of this mega cap uh, technology stocks. Yeah, but definitely if this starts to materialize, it will definitely have a negative spillover effect to the rest of the uh, US stock market, given the fact that uh, the current leadership is being centered on these mega cap tech stocks. So, yes, definitely something to actually look out for as well. Very interesting. Kelvin Wong
1: in Singapore, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, uh, Johnny. So I hope to speak to you again soon.
0: Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.